family, family, family. It's your girl, TT, from TT Talks. I'm feeling good, fresh off my trip from Ghana. Oh, man, I'm so charged. I had a ball. Um, I, I got so much great content that I can't wait to share with y'all, so you will have to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, I want you to enjoy this new episode where I talk to my sister scholar friends, Dr. Nzinga Metzger and Dr. Funaya Woods about 45's comments concerning, quote, shithole countries. So they about to drop the knowledge on Haiti and uh, its relationship with the West and with Africa, and uh, they're going to bring it all together. So kick back, relax, you're going to be entertained, you're going to be educated, and I know you're going to enjoy. Peace. Family, thank you so much for tuning in and checking in with me here at TT Talks. I'm here with some two good friends of mine because we had to have a conversation about uh, El Cheeto. <laughs> El Cheeto, a.k.a. 45, uh, concerning his comments uh, about uh, Haiti and Africa in particular being shithole nations. But before we get into all of that and spill all of that tea, I just want to introduce these two guests that I have here. Uh, first is my good friend, Dr. Nzinga Metzger. Hey, girl. How hey, you doing? girl. So glad to have you on here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, uh, I'm Dr. Nzinga Metzger. I am a cultural anthropologist. I have a PhD in anthropology, a master's in history, and a BA in history. Um, I'm also a folkloric singer, dancer, um, and tinkerer, part-time artist, yes. metalsmith when I don't want to mess up my nails. Knower of many things. <laughs> right. Like all black women, right? Jello trades. Yes. Right, exactly. Yes. And my other sister here, uh, Dr. Funlayo Easterwood. How you doing, sis? Tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm so great. Thanks for having us here, TT. I'm excited. I am Dr. Funlayo Wood. I am so excited to be here with my girl. I am a scholar of African and diasporic religions and especially focused on the Farisha tradition. I also have some degrees. You know, we all degreed up in here, you know, in history and and, in religion and African and African-American studies. And um, I just love to have a good time with my ladies having some intelligent conversation about some not so intelligent folks. Hello. Listen, (sighs) not so intelligent folks. So I've been trying to hunt down the actual audio of him calling them shithole countries. I've just been reading uh, what he said, but there, there is so much to what he said historically. And um, I may or may not have the right verbiage for it. So I wanted to bring on people who are actually historians and scholars um, for a living, um, because I just be reading a whole bunch of stuff. I ain't no scholar just yet. Uh, Probably never will be. I just, I'm a Jill of all trades. I read a whole bunch of stuff, but I ain't trying to master none of that shit. (laughs) (laughs) You're a scholar, T.T. You be dropping the knowledge on the daily. You know, well, I thank you, boo. See, that's why you need a sisterhood. (laughs) You know, you gotta get gas stuff every now and then. Um, But... I, I need people who are listening to understand historically the relationship between the United States and Haiti and the United States and Africa. And, you know, a lot of my listeners know, you know, I, I travel to Africa quite a bit. Both of these ladies have spent extensive time on the continent as well, as well as the Caribbean. Um, I know you've been to Haiti before, correct? Yes, yes, a few times. Mm -hmm. A few times. I've never been. I'd like to go. Um, Apparently, my homegirl got a room for me when I get there, so I'm going to take her up on that offer at some point. Oh, that's for sure. Have you been to Haiti? No, I haven't been to Haiti. Okay. I haven't been to Haiti. Um, But you've been to and lived in West Africa for periods of time. I know you have as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm always traveling. I'll be there next month. Woo. In Ghana, I'm excited. Hey, hey. Charlie, I'm trying to go. Come on, boo. We're going to have a ball. We're going to have a ball. Um, so, for the people who don't have a good understanding of the relationship between... We're just going to start with Haiti first. Okay, let's talk about let's Haiti. Let's talk about Haiti first. So, the people who don't have a good understanding of the relationship between Haiti and the United States... Um, Talk to us a little bit about that. Well, let's message. let's let's start with Haiti in the West. Mm. Haiti in the mm-hmm. West. Oh, let's, let's talk about Haiti and the relationship between Haiti and Western Europe 
European countries, which then extends to Haiti's relationship with North America and the United States. Um, One of the things that I always like to tell my students is that when you are looking at contemporary situations, when you see what you see on the surface is only a reflection of the layers that have built that vision up to what it is today. Over time. Over time. Mm -hmm. So when you're looking at Haiti and you're seeing quote unquote poverty, what did the other guy say? He was on the, I wasn't, I don't remember what news show it was, but he basically said it was scrap metal and garbage piles or something to that, something to that uh, extent that he Mm -hmm. said, you're looking at this and you're like, what's going on? Why is Haiti so in such a decrepit state? Why is everything such a mess? Oh, those people must be, you know, they must be backwards. They don't know what they're doing, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, this is like, I always tell my students, this is why ignorance is bad. Right. Because you think you know what you're looking at because you're able to survey the current landscape, but you don't know what is underneath all of what you've been looking at Mm -hmm. to make it what it is. Mm -hmm. So for those people who may have forgotten, who learned in school, but may have forgotten, um, the country or the, the piece of land that Christopher Columbus landed on was the island of Hispaniola. Mm -hmm. And uh, he landed there in 1492, like we all learn in school. And um, first off, what we need to understand was that this island was populated by literally millions of indigenous people. Mm -hmm. And these were people who were living in fairly complex societies. This is not hidden information. It's information that you can find in reliable sources in Spanish, in English, in French. There's archaeological data that backs this up, that these were complex societies all through the Caribbean who were living there and they were functioning for at least four or five thousand years before Christopher Columbus lands in Hispaniola. Okay, let's get past that point. So he lands there. He finds groups of indigenous people who are welcoming They're like, hey, they immediately identify Christopher Columbus and his crew as human beings. Mm -hmm. And they commence to interacting with them thusly as human beings. beings. And they're sharing with them. They're engaging with them. They're curious about them. They realize that, okay, even though these people don't speak the same language that we do, they're very obviously human beings and we're going to treat them like that. Mm -hmm. Christopher Columbus writes back to the Spanish throne and says basically these people are really kind they're very generous they'll make good slaves Mm -hmm. so automatically to that right they automatically went to let's figure out how to enslave them which is Mm mind-boggling you know i don't really understand how how that happens so you know the um the spanish decide that they're going to try to enslave the indigenous people of the Caribbean mm-hmm. force them to mine for gold that's not there mm. in the process um, a I don't even have a word that is superlative enough to describe the level of atrocities that were perpetrated against these people we're talking about um, murder and mayhem on a scale that really isn't discussed in the history books Mm -hmm. in terms of the way that these people were dealt with by the Spaniards. One example is that um, there was a female cacique. A cacique is a Taino chief. Um, And they can be Taino chiefs at this time period could be either male or female, but there was a female cacique who was forced to watch 80 other caciques be burned to death by the Spaniards because they refused to convert to Christianity. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the penalty for not accepting, you know, this new religion. Wow. And so um, in addition to the diseases that the Spaniards brought to the Americas for which the indigenous people had not built up biological resistances, right. um, they literally tortured and murdered these people. So it was very common for them to use these great Danes, these dogs that they brought with them from Europe to 
bite people to death. Mm -hmm. Um, They routinely cut ears and lips off of indigenous people who refuse to work. Mm -hmm. Um, I was just reading a story that was written by Bernardo de las Casas. Um, I was reading a story yesterday. He was relaying... um, He was relaying a story about two little boys who were who ran into two Spanish people, Spanish men, and they had parrots. If you're familiar with like any kind of the, any of the cultures in Amazonia, there are a lot of Amazonian indigenous people where pe- peoples where people keep pets from mm-hmm. the, you know, from Amazonia. So these two little boys had parrots. And De Las Casas relays the story where these two Spaniards take the parrots from the two little boys and decapitated the two children. Hmm. which is like psychopathic it's psychopathic and it's so startling in it's it's viciousness and it's like gory violent type of like what it really makes you wonder you know what is going on through these people's minds and so forcing these people you know perpetrating all of these atrocities against them Bernardo de las Casas writes the Spanish crown and basically says, you know, this is horrible. We shouldn't be treating this way, people this way. And he convinces the Spanish crown that they should enslave Africans instead, which, you know, I'll say to be fair, he later backtracks on that, but it's too late. Way too late. It's way too late by the time he backtracks on that. And, you know, Columbus had brought over many different crops to the Americas, like, different types of citrus and obviously sugarcane, which they figured out would flourish here in the Americas. And this is really the beginning. The This is the nucleus of um, what ends up being a multiple hundred year long Holocaust for African people who are brought to the Americas to uh, farm sugarcane. Slavery in Haiti was some of the most difficult, most taxing on the human body, um, most harsh, most violent, most vicious slavery that was perpetrated in the Americas. Mm. It was known for being extremely, um, inhumane, inhumane, right. As, as it was in Brazil and mm-hmm. also Guadeloupe and some other places. And um, the life expectancy for Africans in Haiti was so short that part of the reason why we see all of these cultural manifestations that have this very deep feeling of Africa in them is because the life expectancy was so short that Haiti had to continually import Africans into the country to maintain the level of sugar production. Mm -hmm. And um, at one point, I want to say during the early 1700s, if I'm not mistaken, um, I hope maybe somebody can look it up, but I want to say that Haiti at one point was responsible for 60 to 70% of France's GDP. Mm. Now, if you look at the land mass of Haiti in comparison with the land mass of France, right, and you think about all the industries that France must have had and the mercantile trading that mm-hmm. France must have had during this time period for Haiti to be responsible for well over half of Haiti's gross, I'm sorry, of France's gross domestic product is a really telling number because it's basically telling you that the money that is pouring into France is literally blood money. Mm. It is money that is literally born from black death Hmm. because these people are literally being worked to death because it was cheaper to work them to death than it was to see to their care and prolong their lives. So this is how, when we get to the Haitian uh, revolution, the vast majority of people who are fighting in the Haitian revolution are born in Africa mm-hmm. because they had to keep importing Africans to Haiti to maintain the workforce. So we get to what year is it? 1700s. 
1792 for the beginning of the Haitian Revolution. Africans are tired. They're tired of the atrocities that are being perpetrated against them. And they decide that they're going to have an uprising. You know, I, I am not as, uh, versed in the details, um, of the Haitian revolution. What I do know is that number one, um, uh, Jean de Couleur or, you know, free blacks had to be convinced <laughs> to join the fight. To participate. Yeah, um, they didn't feel they, like right. they had anything to fight for. They were already, they were, they already had some benefits well, had and they some. didn't want to antagonize white people. Right. And lose the little bit. Exactly. Had, which we still see. Exactly. <laughs> Hello. In all corners of the diaspora. Exactly. And, um, it took 10 years minimum for Haiti to extract itself from the yoke of slavery. And ever since that time, Haiti has been a living, breathing insult to slavery born capitalism. And it has been a thorn in the side of Western Europe. And it has been a thorn in the side of the United States which didn't get its independence until 1776. So if we just think about what's happening at this time period, Haiti starts their revolution in 1792. Mind you, they're not starting their revolution just because they ain't got nothing else to do. There are ideas that are traversing the Atlantic Ocean, the same ideas that gave rise to the French Revolution, liberté, égalité, fraternité. People heard these messages and they were like, well, shoot, y'all over here getting crunk and chopping people's heads off and, you know, demanding your freedom. Why shouldn't we get our freedom too? Mm-hmm. Right. So the Haitians rise up and, and then North American whites are like, shit, <laughs> we can't have our niggas learning about this because then we're going to have wide-scale rebellions on our hands and they did they had rebellions that came about as a result of black people hearing about what happened in france what happened in haiti and so haiti has been a thorn in the side of the west from that time period now just to put things in context when haiti runs the revolution part of their penance to France is that they got to pay France reparations. Come on now. Come on now. (laughs) Just imagine if, if the United States had agreed to pay Britain reparations for winning the American revolutionary war. In perpetuity. In perpetuity. Still now. And then you want to turn around and look at a tiny country like Haiti and say, why are they so poor? And mind you, not only were they forced to pay these reparations, they also were embargoed. Mm -hmm. So Europe wouldn't trade with them and the United States wouldn't trade with them. So where are the, where's the money coming from? Because when the Haitian Revolution popped off, black people burned, they burned the the sugar plantations. plantations They burned the plantations. Because these were basically the sites of their Holocaust. These were the places where they suffered grievous injury to body, mind, and soul. Ain't nobody want to look and walk around looking at no sugar plantations. Now, you know, obviously... Emotion got the better of people. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Maybe it wasn't such a great idea to do that. <laughs> right, right. But you can imagine how people who had for generations been under this decide that, hey, you know, we don't want to do this anymore. And so this is how we get the development of this kind of like Haitian peasantry culture where people live in the country, they grow their food, they, you know, da, da, da. But if you don't have any countries who are trading with you, you don't have any major industry. And France is basically saying, if you don't pay us these taxes, we're going to invade you again. And the little bit of money that you do get has to go to paying someone else. Come on, it's fattening their pocket as it's been doing. And this has been going on for the last, from 1792 to 1804. So from 1804 up until the present. Macron, was it Macron? 
I don't remember who the it was the president before Macron of France or the prime minister before Macron who declared that he was gonna um, he was going to delete Haiti's debt to France in twenty got in twenty ten. Right. You Are do you want to save give them back all the money that they've paid you, they so that they the can build up and and you know, especially if it, this was in twenty ten, then it would have been after the Guru Guru. So. You gonna give them the money back, or are you just gonna say, "Oh, they don't have to pay"? Oh, we're gonna anymore. cancel your debt in yeah. 2010. Your illegitimate debt that you never actually owed. Right. That skips over the American occupation of France. I mean, I'm sorry, the American occupation of Haiti, which resulted in Duvalier. Mm-hmm. That whole mess of a regime, and then they get kicked out we end up with the president before the current president. You can't uh, look at Haiti and say, shithole country. Like, that process happened in a vacuum by itself with no input into creating that situation from the West. Right. Well, and I mean... (sighs) Quite frankly, for somebody like you know who we don't speak his name, right? Voldemort, (laughs) Voldemort, (laughs) Orange Voldemort, to say that I mean it just it shows the type of unfortunate, not only ignorance but white privilege, you know, all of these things that say we got where we are by legitimate means. And we're the only ones who got where we are by legitimate means and everyone else that isn't there, despite the fact that we raped them, that we killed them, that we stole from them. They're the shitholes, not us. Absolutely. We did what we we got where we are legitimately and they should do the same, even though every time they tried, we undermine them every time they tried to have and this goes not only for Haiti but you know half of Central and South America they try to have elections you intervene and install dictators look at um, uh, Chile with Pinochet and I mean all these other things so it just shows not only like I said his ignorance the white supremacist ideation but it also quite frankly shows why this mug should not be nobody's president I'm still because he doesn't even have the decorum He doesn't even have a modicum of the decorum that a statesman, even if you, that's what you think. He doesn't even know you ain't supposed to say that as the lead figurehead for a country like the United States. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How the United States intervened Mm -hmm. and participated in having Lumumba. Right. Yeah, all, I mean, you can name country after country after, after country, country after country. That this is happening. And of course, you know. And these not are right. not conspiracy theories. Right. These are things. We're not talking proven. about. Right. This is documented history. Right. Documented from history. The University of Chicago, where, you know, we're the ones that we're dealing with the Pinochet regime. People right. From mm-hmm. Harvard, right, yeah. where I got my doctorate, dealt in some of these other things. Like, right. It's very, very well documented. So these are not like made up. You got to dig through, you know, moth eaten papers from <laughs> right, 1962 to find, to find out. Yeah. No. Nah, this is easily material. accessible information that you or I or anybody can go and look up and see that. Many of these countries, particularly if we want to talk about Africa, after they got their independence, how Western friendly puppets were put into place mm-hmm. who were in the pockets of European and American governments who did not have the best interests of, of their, their people, people at heart, at heart mm-hmm. which has landed them in situations where they end up with huge debts to the World Bank and then they are unable to provide for their people because they have corrupt leaders in government. Right. That doesn't happen by magic. Right. It's not some peculiar black pathology or brown pathology that creates these situations. These situations are the culmination of a bunch of historical events that have led to this particular moment in history. And you don't get to look at those countries and behave as if there's something particularly or uniquely wrong with the people from these countries and that is why their countries are in the state that they're in their countries are in the state that they're in for very specific reasons that frequently have to do 
with Western intervention. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And even something else that a lot of people don't realize is even the ideology that we have about voodoo with the four O's, right? The quote-unquote, the scary, the, the ooga booga, the, 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 the dolls, that came following the American occupation of yes. Haiti. And all of those ideas about zombies and voodoo dolls and all this scary stuff came as a result of white fear of black retaliation yes. for all of the horrible things that were done. And so it's like, well, if it was us, I know we'd retaliate, so exactly. they must be planning something. And so exactly. it's this paranoia and it, and it gets played out through the trope of voodoo. So now all black religion becomes demonized all black people who practice any black religion are anti-white or are looking to hurt white and people. And sati- are satanic. Are satanic, right? When we all, you know, most of these cosmologies don't even have a Satan, but we won't talk about that. But so this is something else that people, you know, they, the, the idea that these um, ideas about things kind of came out of thin air. It's like, no, these things were intentionally orchestrated. These ideas were intentionally planted to increase the fear that whites would have of black people, to increase the fear that blacks themselves would have of their own spiritual systems. Right. And and it's and it's worked. And to also justify continual occup- occupation. Exactly. And colonization and, and oppression. Conversion, and right? conversion and oppression. To say that your religion is, is terrible, so you need to convert. And then, by the way, give us your money after you convert. And then, by the way, give the church your land. And then, by the way, you know, it's like Absolutely. all these things build All of the above. Of all of the above. Well, a lot of people don't even know, like, the to your point about the whole voodoo thing, that that whole concept of voodoo as this kind of random bricolage of superstitions as opposed to being an actual religious system Mm -hmm. happens after like you said after the occupation but I want to say there was a movie that that came out in the 1930s that was like the first in that genre yes yes I can't recall the name but one of my colleagues uh, Adam McGee shout out he his dissertation was about this topic right it's a great 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 source I'm hoping he brings it out as a book soon because I mean it's wonderful and he documents all of those those films movies, all of that I mean there was movie after movie when I read the dissertation I was actually shocked to see just within that maybe 10 years um, of occupation, of occupation. How many movies? There were movies. There were books. There were comic books. There were the little trade novels. All these things meant to instill these ideas about black religion, about right. quote unquote voodoo, right. as this scary thing. I mean, it was propaganda, plain and simple. Absolutely, it was, it, it was pushed. It was pushed. It was pushed. And it's not just about like instilling fear, right? It's also about dehumanizing black exactly. people. Exactly. It's it's about making them others mm-hmm. and and others of less value, right. which then gives you a platform from which to say, well, we can occupy their country, we can take their resources, we can we can do, uh, do whatever we want. we want to because look at what they human. do. Right. It's a hot mess. And 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 you know, when you talk to people whether they're in school or not or whatever and you're like you know history is important people think that you're saying these things as it's as if it's some just just some type of like intellectual exercise exercise for the sake of exercising and it's like no we don't need to know history in this kind of abstract context you need to know how it's affecting what's still happening now so that we wouldn't even feel the need to have a conversation about old boy saying whatever he did or didn't say because it would already be understood that it's bullshit. Right. And all of the historical memory would be the there. The context and all of that would be and there. Everything would and be it would there. be common and there knowledge. there would be no way to even make a statement like that. Right. Because you'd know that everybody knows. It would be but common to knowledge. to your point earlier about ignorance, while it hurts us, it helps them. Absolutely. Right? Because when people are ignorant, they'll believe whatever you feed them. Right. And so, unfor- you know, it's very unfortunate that a lot of us here in the States, as black folks, you know, we believe all these ideas about other places. Right. We believe these ideas about, you know, like we other black places, other black people, other black right. Places. Other black places. Right. Cause how many black folks I know? And yeah, I'm calling you out who, when they talk about everywhere they want to visit, it's like 15 European countries, maybe a, a someplace in Asia, not one African country, not one, maybe Jamaica might get a shout out. Right. Right. But it's these ideas that the, the white man's ice is better, you know, and, and all these things that are still alive in us. They're still playing and out. we don't understand how they have 
been instilled, how they've been instilled, how this is not a coincidence that so many people feel this way and don't understand these things. Not by a long shot. It's intentionally obscured. And the ignorance of that, you know, the historical context of everything also plays directly into our response to the alleged statement alleged (laughs) so you know is it good to celebrate black achievement yes obviously but is that really what we need to be doing in response to a statement like that because that's because that position is basically like no we're not no we're not we're really actually really smart and it's like we ain't got nothing to prove to people like that well, and the other thing that bothered me about that whole thing is that, of course, it's it's very elitist, right? It's elitist, it's respectable, it's like people are only worth something if they came and got a degree and are lawyers and doctors. And there was a sister on Facebook who I'm not, I can't remember, but she posts a lot of great stuff and she was saying that. She said, look, you know, people are not only worth something because they're doctors or lawyers, I got a PhD from Harvard or whatever, you're worth something no matter who you are. So Absolutely. all these stories don't need to be oh, my neighbor's from Jamaica and he's a doctor and and so therefore he's worth something, even if he wasn't. Everybody's worth something and that's the point. But that goes to one of the things that I like to talk to my students about in terms of like your values, right? Because when people think about culture, I'm a cultural anthropologist, so you have to forgive me if I take a little sip. But, you know, people think about culture like, oh, culture is just the food that you eat. Culture is the type of dances you do, the language you speak, the kinds of clothes that are your traditional outfits, you know, these things that are visible. But culture also has to do with your values. And basically, when we respond in a way that is reactionary to a statement like that with, no, 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 we've got all these people who have these, all these different letters and all these degrees, what we're really reflecting is a value for people that, as Dr. Wood has already stated, that is rooted in this idea that you are only worthy if you have all these letters. Mm-hmm. When that's absolutely not true. And we have to begin interrogating ourselves and asking ourselves the question, why do we feel the need to respond that way? Because that's just a, it's, that's an extremely uh, Eurocentric orientation to have as, as far as how you place value to a human being. Right. And then it also begs the question that, okay, well, if people are only valuable because they have letters, does that mean all of our illiterate ancestors were worthless? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. What do you do with that? If you're saying that today, what are you saying about them? And then that might make you ask the question, well, is maybe is this why I feel so bad about being black? I don't know. Ooh. Hold on, America. Come on. Hold on to your britches. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, like we got to deal with that. Absolutely. We have to deal with, we have to look at that, you know, and, and the, and the fact of the matter is a lot of the time we are guilty of perpetuating ideologies and values that are damaging to us. They're damaging to ourselves and we have to stop and ask ourselves, is that what we're doing? And then we have to ask ourselves, why are we doing that? Mm -hmm. And then we have to figure out, do we need to keep doing that? And how do we stop if we don't? Just because you've been doing something doesn't mean you have to keep doing it. Absolutely not. You always have to look at what you're doing. We always have to remain reflective. We always have to remain um, takers of what works and leavers of what doesn't. Right. Well, that's what Sankofa is, right? Exactly. It's the process of going back to fetch what you forgot. Mm-hmm. That Those whatever useful things, not the value, right? The some things of them trying to fetch, right? The, some the of them things you got to, you got to the, leave back, right? And the rest of right. Stop things. fetching bullshit, right? Stop <laughs> fetching the bullshit, right? Fetch don't, the bullshit. Don't, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Leave the bullshit in the past. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to bring some historical background to what was going on. And I recently heard a. Uh, Martin Luther King's speech, um, in which he was, uh, and this was this was probably one of the, and I had never heard it before. Uh, Brother Allende had shared it um, on his uh, on Martin Luther King's birthday, but it was a speech basically talking about what Doctor Nzinga just talked about. Um, he was putting together how Western colonial powers have basically undermined uh, any and every 
um, acts of sovereignty that black people um, have tried to to do across the diaspora on the continent um, in the Caribbean here in the United States um, and even even the government conspiring to assassinate Dr. King I mean, that's, yeah. that's, and that's a proven point. Yeah. COINTELPRO is documentable. Oh, mm-hmm. all of that. Fred Hampton, come on. Like, yeah. it's all documented. Um, so, you know, I saw a great deal of ignorance on the interwebs. Oh, gosh. Regarding, those, you know, um, I mean, those hallowed halls of intellectual perfection. Y'all go on Twitter and just hashtag shithole countries and just prepare to be completely, have your Four. whole stomach be turned up. I can't. See, I can't do it. By the way, my spirit is set up. Yeah, I can't do it either. There's a couple of good bright lights out there who are shedding good information, but there's a whole lot of people um, like even I just I just read something on Twitter. Hashtag shithole country. Somebody was talking about yeah, Shady uh, Haiti is a shithole and they were talking about a, um, a cholera outbreak that had recently happened. And so I'm like clearly he does not know all of the historical events events that have happened over the last couple hundred years to lead up to this point right. where there's a cholera outbreak. Well, wasn't part of the cholera outbreak that happened, well, the because first... Because of the UN people thank came you. in UN and set latrines too close to certain to the, areas. To the camps and, after the earthquake mm-hmm. and caused the cholera this didn't even outbreak. Have any, but, it's, but it's now... When have you heard of a cholera of outbreak in Haiti before they got there after the earthquake? No. You have not. Right. Right. They came and left their shit. Right. They came and dug their shit holes too close to where people, the water supply was, exactly. too close to where people were trying to farm and grow food, and they brought that there. And caused the cholera outbreak. And left it. This is in right. the news, people. And now Haitians are being blamed for it. Right. You know, well, it's like, Haitians were being blamed for HIV. Right. Yeah. Right. And we, right. Right. So, so it's, it's, it's always easier, unfortunately, for people to point those fingers. Again, it, it's just to buttress their own position because right. if people really have to accept and understand all the damn dirt that their ancestors did and all of the, Come on. the 10,000 legs up that they got that they don't even Come know through. about just by virtue of that, like that, that, that's, that could cause an existential crisis. You ain't lying. <laughs> They can't even accept it. They brains no, can't wrap around it. will happen. Right. It, it just, it's, it's hard. And that's the only thing, you know, when I struggle with how to make sense of all this and not stay angry at every person who has the audacity to not understand any of this, I just say, okay, our self-perception is the, is the thing that we defend the most fiercely out of anything else. And that's what these people are doing when they just project, project, No, I think you're absolutely right. It doesn't make it right. It damn sure don't make it right. But, you know, as people, like you said, who see others as humans and try to understand them, you know, I at least give them that, even though they don't necessarily give it to me, you know, or people like me from shithole countries, quote unquote. Right. So. Right. I can't say I'm not angry because I'm angry. Yeah. A lot of the time. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, I I tell people this all the time, like. First of all, to get a PhD. Mm, okay. Go on. Come on, girl. Speak Come on. through. Come on, on, baby. I gotta Speak lean on. back in my chair. Come on, on now. Speak on it. To get a PhD. <laughs> I was gonna I was gonna be petty, but I caught myself. Uh oh. <laughs> what a real one that's not okay. Right. <laughs> To, to receive an actual <laughs> right. PhD. <But> yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> The amount of academic rigor that is required of you in an institution of higher learning, let's just learning, just let's just put aside the whole European institution of higher learning. As we were discussing earlier, Europeans do not have a a monopoly on academic rigor and institutions of higher learning. But when you go into your field of choice and you decide that you want to get the fada. You have to engage. Oh, I never heard that. The fada. I was like, what is she? The fada. I love that. I love that. Oh, I'm calling it for that. You have to engage in a certain level of rigor, study, 
critical thinking, analysis, you know, like there's so much that you go through. And this is how you end up being a quote unquote expert in your field. It's not like people just wake up and go, well, some people do. Right. Well, that's, that was what we were right. not about right. to that's say. What we ain't going to talk about that though. But leave that alone. Right. So the thing that is just eternally mind boggling to me is that I have been in this field of history and anthropology combined for over 20 years. So this has been my life work for the last 20 plus years. If I count just from the time that I graduated with my bachelor's. So we're talking about 23 years of intense study and engagement. When I tell you I learn something new every single year. Where does, where is the bottom of the story? Like, where do I get to the bottom and be like, okay, that's it. Ain't no more. Ain't no more. It, <laughs> it has not uh, happened. Never, never. It hasn't happened. And I'm just like floored by the fact that every year I learned something that I totally just didn't have any clue about. Mm-hmm. Same here. Same and I'll be same. like, damn. And I've been in the, you know, same thing in the field just about the same number as a few a few less and you know every day you know we're learning something new like really they did that too like right right Right. and then you go through the process where you be like okay i'm gonna regroup i'm gonna get myself together i'm gonna continue to move forward i'm gonna and then you learn something Something else. else right understanding history it really isn't just about a a frivolous exercise to be able to look back to either a glorious past or to avoid a past that you don't want to know about it's about contextualizing the present and understanding the game Mm -hmm. right that's the thing that's why we need to know history we gotta understand the game that is being played Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm Cause either you're gonna play or you're gonna get played. Come on. So that's all it is. Nothing about what's going on. It's like, all right, you know, like I tell people all the time, I chose to do what I chose to do in academia because it's a key, right? It gets you into certain places that I'd like to be. And that's why I chose that route. But if you're not trying to be in those places, you don't necessarily need to go that route. There's a different route that you can go. Absolutely. It's not for everybody to go Mm -mm. the same route, but we all have to understand the game and understand. Like, okay, my role is as this piece. Your role, you a pawn, you a rook. Uh, you know, I'm the queen, he's the king. But then everybody want to be the king and the queen. Everybody want to be King Danielite. <laughs> be an expert. Right. Expert. <laughs> After doing their five minutes of Facebook research. Right. Uh, and let me tell you, the level of <clears throat> straight arrogance. I saw one of these. I'm not even going to drop his name right now. I may do it later. Bloop, bloop. <laughs> but he, just when you think Omar the left the scene, another one pops up like herpes. Damn right. It. And he came on and he said something. Uh, he made a statement or whatever. I was just reading it casually. And somebody with some sense in the comments came in and was just like, yo, if you want to be a scholar, you have to do more than just read books. Well. You have to you have to do more than that. It's that's wonderful if you want to read books. It's wonderful if you want to write books and do X Y Z, but there's a little bit more to being, you know. And this person was talking about being like a psychologist, right, or, or something like that. And he was he was basically saying I can psychologically help my people because I read a lot of books on black psychology. That's basically what that was. And the guy was like, No, right. You need to get with the people in that field and you need to train and you need to, and the guy really answered with like straight ego. Right. Mm -hmm. He was just like, all these people on here is following me because they want to hear what I got to say. Well, let me ask, I got one question for somebody like that. Let's say you had somebody who read a lot of books about surgery. (laughs) Right. Would you let them operate on you? Would you let them operate on you? Grandma, Mm -hmm. you? you? Oh, not big mama. Right. You need somebody who has some practical knowledge, some OJT. Right. With some oversight by somebody who's done the job before, which is what residencies are. Right, And that's the whole thing, too, that, you know, as we we talked a little bit about this earlier, but that incenses me when people say, you know, again, it's not just about 
the source, but it's about the quality of the source. Anybody, especially nowadays with the internet, Lord have mercy, anybody can, can get their... self-publish a book mm-hmm. or put a blog up. So just having something published doesn't mean anything anymore. It depends on where it's published, who has sanctioned it. Right. When And that's why, you know, for instance, with academic journals and all these types of things, yeah, 10 people read your article and said, these facts make sense, they check out, this makes sense, that makes sense, before it's presented to the public as something viable. And and there's quite, there is a value to that. Right, and that's why it's called a refereed journal. Right. A refereed journal, which is what academic publications are supposed to be means they've gone through the process that Dr. Wood has just detailed. You have to go through, you submit what you've written and then what you've written has to go through a committee to be vetted, fact-checked, interrogated. Somebody might call you up with some questions Mm -hmm. or write you back with some questions or some ask you for some clarifications. And then if it passes muster, it gets published. It is not the same as you writing down your feelings and going to publishmybook.com and printing off 20 (laughs) copies of it. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. You know, you go to conferences, you got to get over your shakes and get up there and and present your theory or present your paper and be prepared to be dragged. Mm -hmm. Because some of these people out here be ruthless. They will drag you. Oh, they love to show out. They will drag you. They like to show out. I had one of my, uh, the last conference I was at and I actually knew the brother. That's what made it so funny. Nigerian brother stood up and like went point for point at my stuff. Now, he wasn't right with all his critiques, but we're not going to talk about that. Right. The point is that people... He, but he, he tried it. He tried it. And they will try it. And a lot of the people who try it have valid points. They're, they're senior scholars. They're junior scholars. You get your Facebook scholars in there, too, sometimes. Who right. just bought a ticket to the conference. Right. You know, so you have all kinds. And, and, and part of the whole... Um, exercise is that you are questioned right? and that you have to consistently prove and show proof of what you're talking about and show patterns and show rigor. Right. So again, like Dr. Metzger said, it's not the same as you just writing something down and posting it out there. Mm-hmm. And there's a reason. And it's not that those of us who are in academia even want to, you know, necessarily like, for instance, I, I think it's a great thing that, there are now open platforms where people don't necessarily have right. to jump through all these hoops to right. get something out there. But at the same time, that doesn't absolve it of being vetted in some way. Right. It should still be vetted. Yeah, absolutely. Right. They can be questioned on yeah. whatever it is that they're saying. Right. And, and understand that not everything is an opinion. Right. When you go to question people these days, it's like, well, that's just what you think. And this is what I think. And it's like, well, no, but what you think is factually incorrect. Right. Like, so it ain't can't real. Just chalk it the up. The evidence to... don't support what your ass is talking no, about. No, right. it don't. It doesn't. Now, if you find evidence that does, we can We can have a conversation it. about but that. But it's like, you right. know, it, nowadays it, it's, it's really, it's hard. It's hard because right. so many people, you know, as we a little bit discussed before, don't know what science is, don't understand what a fact is <laughs> you know we're still having conversations about whether the earth is round in 2018 <laughs> lord oh. help us and the firmament right. your boy Copernicus <laughs> rolling over in his Look, grave like dang I'm just undoing I, all my little like, work I thought we settled this <laughs> So like 400 years ago, right, right. right. And, and it's just, you know, I, and I don't know what it is that causes people to cling to some of these things because at the end of the day, like, you know, here's the other thing for me, I'm like, okay, let's assume you're right. Just for the sake of argument. Mm. How does that, how's that changing your day to day? You still ain't taking care of your kids. Come on. You still ain't got nothing you still so whether the earth is round or flat you ain't prospering on it so why is that your focus q-t-n-a right because because if i find out that shit flat today it's not gonna change my quality of life and how i'm moving on it it's not it's really not it's just something i and i guess that frustrates me so much because honestly and we talked about this a little bit too the people who you hear espousing the most of this crap is young black men. 
And right. it, it really, and not even so young. Some of them is old or enough to know young. better. You know, you know but I, I think, don't understand why. I think that it, I, I just had a moment. I just had an epiphany. Oh, let's hear it. The epiphany is, right. Was. The epiphany is that it is an arena to, um, uh, an arena, it's a place where they can have power. Hmm. Because, you know, black manhood is under such an attack that this isn't a place where people can assert, you know, a mm-hmm. sense, a strong sense of self and a sense of power. And that's not a negative thing. It's not. But the basis of it cannot be an empty ego. Right. It has to be based on actuality. And we have enough real greatness and real things to base it on Absolutely. without having to grasp at Straws. all this other stuff yeah. and try to say that everybody in the history of the world was black that did anything Mozart and this one and right. I'm like no there's stop. not can you please you know just to bring it kind of full circle my charge you know when it comes to he who shall not be named mm. and his minions <laughs> the many of them right um you know, we can take this kind of reactionary stance to what they say and do and and spend our time like the, gosh, splendiferous Miss <clears throat> Morrison stated, you know, when she talks about how racism's job is to basically distract you from your work. Mm-hmm. Exactly. You know, we can be distracted. And I'm not trying to use it in that kind of like, um, superficial use the word distracted in that kind of superficial way where every time something happens people are like y'all over here paying attention yeah, to this when you could be you distracted <laughs> right. and just, no what I'm saying is we need to do our work yes I should we need to be focused on reinstating the value for intellectual understanding you know, we have to we have to get back to the place where we kind of value, you know, the work of intellectuals. Because part of the problem that part of the problem is that we're in a place in this country where we're extremely anti-intellectual. There's like a hugely anti-intellectual movement that's happening on both the left, I would say, and the right, where people are like, "That's not real. Those are people. These people are elitists. You can't believe them. You can't believe this. You can't believe that." And it's like, okay, fine. Do we definitely need to question our sources? Do we need to question things? Obviously, we have to question. We ha- we can't just accept anything. But once things are being proven, something is proven as being true or untrue, we need to accept that and move forward. 11 million undocumented immigrants did not vote in the last election. It's been proven by more than one source. We, gon- we need people to stop saying that. And then we need people to stop believing it. You know, and as far as black people are concerned, we have so many scholar warrior ancestors who said it in different forms, different contexts and different times. But they repeated themselves over and over and over again. Knowledge is power. Mm-hmm. So that would mean that the opposite is also true. Ignorance is disempowering. You know, and if you understand, and it sounds so cliche and it sounds so pat, but it's so true. If you understand your history, if you understand what happened in the past, you can contextualize and understand what's happening to you or with you or in your environment now. And then you can begin to project about what you want to happen in the future. And you begin to put pieces in place to make moves to get to where you're going to. But if you don't, it's like basically looking at the wrong map and trying to go someplace. Cause you think you're on a map to Asia mm-hmm. and you're on And you end up in Hispaniola. Right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what happened was. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know? And unless your name is Chris Columbus, you're not gonna be lauded for that. Look, show lane. We just really have to like work hard to understand the game and the context that is my desire for black people mm-hmm. like I feel so what's the word I feel depleted and I feel debilitated and I feel um, dejected mm-hmm. when I run across black people who are completely unaware of some of the very most basic aspects 
of our history. And these facts would just simply help to calibrate your internal compass. Because, you know, if your if your needle is pointing, is leaning <laughs> to the left or to the right, and you get that recalibration and it's pointing north, at least you know, okay, this is the, re- the direction I need to be going in. But if you don't have that information and you're completely clueless about what's happening, how can we ever get to the right place? When we, you know, we kind of like look down on people or we push people aside who's, you know, whose way or or let's say whose um whose careers are focused on intellectual or academic work we kind of poo-poo them like oh dang them book niggas they don't know nothing (laughs) you know what i'm saying but it's like without philosophers the greek philosophers without the voltaires and the john locks and the henry david thoreau's the United States would not be what it is. Right. So we have to value our thinkers and we have to encourage our young people to be thinkers and interrogators, people who can synthesize and analyze information and, and put things together and truly understand what's going on. Because knowing is really more than half yes. the battle. Mm-hmm. Got to be a critical thinker. That way, when Agent Orange says, <laughs> "Right, one of the that many Africa crazy and things Haiti, etc., are shithole countries," you immediately have a historical context and know how to respond. Right, right. Well, and we're not even going to talk about the fact that he referred to Africa as a country. Come we're, on, we're not going to talk about that. Listen. We're just going to leave that alone. Right. Still doing that shit. Okay. In, In twenty eighteen, Africa is a country. Whole ass country. Well, honey, we're going to wrap this conversation up. I appreciate you for coming in. Thank you for having us. Yes, thank you for having us. I'm sorry about my scratchy. That's all right. It's okay, baby. We're going to rock through this thing because the conversation was too good. Um, Shout out to my Haitian Massive. Haitian Massive. Sakase. We got to stay burning, man. Stay burning for real because... Listen, we give all the props and honor to the first independent black nation. Yes. On the planet. Um, On the planet. You know, they they put a plan together and they executed. It took them a long time to do it, but they were persistent and they were merciless. And a lot of sacrifice. A lot of sacrifice. We have much to learn from Haiti and it has nothing to do with them being a shithole. Come on. As a matter of fact, the countries who robbed and invaded them are the shithole countries. How about that? They are the only shithole countries I know. Anybody who doesn't understand that Haiti is like, if there were to be a diaspora and flag, there should be a star on it in the middle Mm -hmm. that represents Haiti. Yes. Ideologically, spiritually, historically, in terms of our morale Mm -hmm. when you look at the history of Haiti you should as a black person swell with pride yes bottom line absolutely listen I be claiming Haiti come on I ain't from Haiti me neither I ain't never been to Haiti me neither I don't have no family members from Haiti me neither I claim that shit how about it I will claim it I be like we (laughs) (laughs) Missy Yes. Listen, I I will claim Haiti. I'm so proud of Haiti. It's a nation that um, it makes me happy that in some way I possibly may even be genetically connected in some way. That's right. It makes me so happy. Because they were about it. About it. So about it. And I haven't, um, you know, I haven't had a chance to go, but I have a feeling in 2018 TT Talks will be in Haiti. Um, at some point in time, I, I have a feeling that I will be. I think this year I'm really going to be popping off. And you know what else is awesome about Haiti? You know, one of the things that Haiti does for me psychologically is it is like a foil to all the things that they said black people were during that era. Mm-hmm. You know, it is like a direct contradiction to the whole myth of the Negro past that we're childlike, that we're easily controlled, they're easily pacified, that we don't have any culture, we don't have a history. All you gotta do is look at Haiti and see that that's not true. true. 
proved over and over, over and over and over, over, and over again that you know we've been able and when I say we you already know what I mean by we we right. mean all of us right in the diaspora but um, speaking to Haitians in particular you know created their own beautiful vibrant language Haitian Creole is an independent beautiful vibrant language absolutely with you know French and Spanish influences with uh, African syntax from mm -hmm. different you know many different West African um, languages and it's exquisite it is Haitian food bomb exquisite it is perfect so good I'm open for plates of uh, mushroom rice listen I'm black rice listen <laughs> I love me some spicy pickles oh my god soup jumon turkey chops oh my gosh Haitian food is everything let's do that fish there with that gravy they girl the gravy it's what's that gravy called my Haitian people it's not a joke you email me and tell me what that gravy is called That's whatever it is I'm eating it <laughs> it's hot so I just I want to thank you know Haiti don't, doesn't get enough love um particularly from um people in the diet like African Americans in particular right um you know I can remember a lot of my friends you know I'm from Florida so we have you know we're from Florida yeah. so we, ha we have a huge Haitian population here and you know, ask all your Haitian friends. They will tell you that they were picked on. That's right. They were all during high school, high school bullied, high, bullied for being Haitian. Being Haitian was like an insult. You know, to call how people, right how sway people dirty Haitians and and this and that. You pole like a Haitian and you black like a Haitian. You ashy and stank like like these are super derogatory terms that African Americans used used to slander, degrade, and dehumanize our Haitian population. So I just want to apologize for that. I didn't do it. Me neither. Uh, I but on behalf of my on behalf, my less informed. Listen, on behalf, we just want to apologize. Um, I love Haiti. I love Haitian. I, I told people all the time, I ain't met a Haitian I don't like. Come yet. on. I haven't met one yet. I love them all. And they know it too. They Haiti has it. a beautiful culture. Beautiful culture. So you know what we need to we what we need to start doing is we need to start giving Haiti some excellent PR. Right. We need to start going. Yes. And and go on some on on a real not going trying to save nobody. It's no goddamn mission trip. Cut right. that shit out. Right. In 2018. Can we cut the mission trip shit out in 2018, please? Everybody I know in either Florida or New York got a Haitian friend. Just go with them. Go home with them. They will take you. And we'll be happy to take you. Go home with them. Experience Haiti on a whole nother level. Because. A human level. A human level. A human level. It's cool if you want to do some tourist stuff. They need tourist money too. Right. But make sure that you're also going. You're staying in people's homes. You're kind of getting out with right. the local people. You're going into the markets. You're supporting the local economy. Right. Um, Because we all need each other. Yep. We all and Africa too. Africa too. You know, there are definitely more black people who are traveling to Africa, but it ain't enough. And it ain't on the same order as, you know, um, black people who are traveling to other places in the world. It's time that we kind of let go of our fears and all the stigmas that we have internalized around going to Africa. Mm -hmm. Africa is a continent full, full of, of diversity and countries, right? Cultures, Pick one. And just go Enjoy and see yourself. what's up. And just see what's up. I'm quite sure you'll be surprised. Pleasantly, too. Pleasantly, frequently ple pleasantly surprised. And, you know, none of us here in the United States, well, I won't say none, but many of us here in the United States would bristle if somebody were to say, oh, I don't want to visit the United States. It's too dangerous. Mm -hmm. It's the murder capital of the world. Mm -hmm. People come here all the time. Mm-hmm. And we really are the murder right. of the world. Right. Like, we really are. Um, and so, it's important that we have um, realistic views of what's happening. Get out of the fear. Get out of the fear of Africa and our um, Caribbean countries. Get out of the fear of our African spiritual systems. Um, they're not spooky or scary. Or demonic. Or demonic. What's really spooky, scary, or demonic is the United Nations coming in with a child sex ring. Come on. That's where the de demonic things come in. When, when missionaries would come in and be molesting and raping children, 
when all of these quote unquote good organizations are coming in, kidnapping children, taking them away from their families, right. and putting them in homes in the Middle East, putting them in homes all over Europe. Those are the real satanic, dark, demonic forces, forces that are happening. Don't be worried about voodoo or voodoo. Because they ain't worried about you. They ain't worried about you. <laughs> Don't worry about the Bokar. Because he ain't thinking about you. They ain't thinking about you. He probably out in the woods trying to get some herbs right. to make some medicine for somebody. <laughs> right. Trying to While make While the UN is plotting to take some children. Mm-hmm. Come on now. So we got to do better. We have to do better. We got to do better. So um, I know, I know, since you on the on the on the Africa and the Caribbean PR team, I know I'm on the PR yes. team all day. Yes, I'm gonna be talking a little bit in the in the in the next segment on my upcoming upcoming trip to Ghana. It's gonna be awesome. Um, shout out to Brother Diallo Sumbri of the Adinkra Group in DC. He is yes. bringing a go-go band. That's gonna be so fantastic. I wish I could be from there. DC. That's gonna be insane. And they're going to, you know, get their ancestry. I'm going to get my ancestry. I, I took my test already. And we're just going to go up there and have a good African-American, African Go-go in Ghana. Go-go in Ghana. We're going to be out there on Labadi Beach acting a damn That's going to be wild. That's going to be so much fun. And it's going to be filmed. It's going to be ridiculous. Is Weedy going? I don't think Weedy's going. Hey, Weedy. Weedy. I don't think Weedy's going. I don't hear anything. I haven't heard anything about it. I, I wonder if he even knows. We'll see. He might not know. So um, I appreciate y'all for coming on and sharing your insight and thank your you. wisdom. Listeners, thank you for hanging with us. I hope you learned a lot. And um, we look forward to chopping it up with y'all later on. Peace. Peace. Family, I told you my sisters was going to bring it, and they did. Thank you for rocking. I hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned for my next episode where I talk about my trip to Ghana. I had a ball and a blast and it was beautiful. The content is going to be so dope. Y'all, I encourage you to reach out. Go to Africa if you can. Learn about Africa. Learn about things that they don't tell you in the media. Go home with some friends of yours who are from Africa, who are from the Caribbean. Learn and see for yourself. In the words of my friend Diallo Sumbri, you got to keep your core engaged. Engage your core. Engage your community. And I have appointed myself to be on the African public relations team because I want to make sure that Africa is seen in a balanced light. It ain't all good. It ain't all bad. But what it is, is it's beautiful. And I want all of us to connect there. So do that. Peace.